Welcome everybody to episode 14 <laughs> of, of Media Sandwich Reheated. I'm Chris. I'm Kyle. And it has been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. In fact, I think it's been the last time we recorded was right after the last Nintendo Direct in... February? February, yeah. Mid-February. Mid Mid-February. So that was before uh, we got uh, the even the Pokemon, uh, the new Pokemon uh, Sword and Shield reveal. That's I, true. I haven't even talked about I haven't even groused about that. <laughs> um, well, you it we'll, we'll get to your grousing about we'll Nintendo to, yeah, stuff we'll, later. Well, well, not so much Nintendo stuff, but we'll talk. Uh, this one is there's a lot of there's some there's some hot takes coming today because it's exciting. We are Saturday before the premiere of the sixth season of uh, so eighth eighth and final season of Game of Thrones. Eighth and final season of Game of Thrones. This is the day before the premiere date, as well as the day after. Another big geek thing happened yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars Celebration, day Star one. Wars, Star Wars Episode Nine finally got... Why do they call it a teaser trailer? It's the tra- it's a trailer. It's a two-minute trailer. It's a trailer. I'll tell you this, JJ. When the trailer is over two minutes, and this one is over two minutes, that's a trailer. It ain't a teaser. Maybe they're getting confused when they say, oh, it's only a teaser trailer. Why? Because we didn't give all the plot details yet. But we Star Wars... Because we, started- we didn't spoil the movie for you yet. Because well, JJ the, likes to spoil the movie for you. No, he doesn't, actually, oh, No, though. he doesn't. He doesn't. You're right, like, you're right. And Star Wars movies, their trailers are never full plot trailers. Right, They're right. always, I guess, teasers, technically. Because yeah. they're always what this one was, which is just image, image, image. Some voiceover that may be canned from a, from a previous movie, might be new to this one, might be just for this trailer, we don't know. We don't know. But this, uh, yeah, that dropped yesterday at Celebration during the the big panel summit with J.J. and uh, Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Kathleen Kennedy, uh, Lucasfilm head uh, Kathleen Kennedy, and J.J. Abrams, hosted by, uh, ho- hosted by Stephen Colbert, which was cute. Oh, interesting. Because he came out and he, uh, he came right out and immediately established his Star Wars nerd bona fides. <laughs> By making a Nogri joke. There we go. He made a joke about Nogri in 2019. <laughs> Nobody does that. So hats off to him. So we're going to start with this. Yeah, yeah. Because we started with uh, it. Sorry, because I jumped right in. That's all right. We've got we've got some fun stuff. And, and, and I have and no one to talk about it with because like I got home yesterday and my wife and kids got home and I'm like, something big happened. And they're like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Nothing happened. I'm like, something big happened. They don't care at all. So first off, if you're watching this, well, you're listening to this. If you're watching this, you're you got you're on some bad stuff. <laughs> if man. you're watching this, you can see sound and, and that's smell amazing. color. Exactly. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm not going to tell you to stop listening and watch the trailer. You already watched it, and if not, well, let's let's be honest. This is the fifteenth podcast. On on your uh, priority list in your app. This, so and you this, have watched that trailer before listening to this yeah, podcast. For the fifteenth fifteenth trailer in your in your priority app, and the sixteenth fr- podcast you've heard already has talked about it. Yes, of course. So, yeah, we're recording this the day after. Naturally, everyone talked about it somehow. <laughs> Five minutes after it happened. Yeah, there's already like probably three hour discussion videos on online picking apart every bit of the trailer. I just immediately changed my uh, my background image on my social media to an image from the trailer. I don't give a shit this time out. Look, if you're not up to date with stuff, that's on you. And you, you need to, there is a way to block and mute words from <laughs> your feed. Just block anything that says Star Wars, and you won't hear from me for like eight months. And I. 
am not the biggest Star Wars fan compared to other people. I'm casual. I'm very yeah. casual. Yeah. I go into the movies with very little expectation, very little demands. Mostly I go in and saying, hey, I want to go watch a fun movie. Because for me, I go with my dad. Now we've made a tradition. We go and we see all the new Star Wars movies together. Not necessarily even on opening day, but like we see them eventually. And that was an every year thing with you and your dad that will no longer be every year, as Kathleen Kennedy told us, that they are going to pull it back and no longer do every year movies, which... Which is a wise decision. They're finally realizing that the diminishing returns are happening, partly, I think, because The Last Jedi really was so divisive, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Oh, I, I mean, it was designed to be divisive. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Johnson did that on purpose. Yeah, I mean, that movie's not perfect. I watched it and liked it, because I just... I go into movies wanting to like a thing. When I hate a movie, you know they done they done messed up there. You done messed up, A.A. Ron. When I went and saw Man of Steel, I left that movie furious because yeah, I went in because I went into that movie excited and ready to love it, and I left it in fumes. So well, and and the way you felt about Man of Steel, that's exactly the way a lot of people a lot of people felt about The Last Jedi. And that's very fair. I think it's not uh, well, yeah, okay, well, it's fair. It's fair it's, to feel a way about a it's movie. It's fair to feel a way about a movie as long as you frame it as this is how I feel and that sucks cuz sometimes that really is how it goes. And yeah, and and I'll fall out come out and say I came out of The Last Jedi and man, I saw it under the wrong conditions cuz we we went to one of those theaters where there's like food being served and stuff like that and there's a table and there's a waitress and all that stuff don't do that with the last jedi i'll tell you that right now yeah but i came out of the movie just feeling like melancholy just like i can't believe luke skywalker's gone i can't believe that i just saw that and i can't believe that it was with like there's no big like battle there's no big fanfare that was really a star wars movie that that Zagged completely from every zig yeah. that it was supposed to do. There was no, there was no big climactic space battle or nothing, in terms of action set pieces, except for like the throne room uh, saber fight, and mm-hmm. even that was, by comparison to old the the older Star Wars movies, brief. Yeah. And I actually I rewatched uh, the I rewatched uh, the Force Awakens this morning with Robert with my son. Uh, after seeing the trailer and whatnot, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I guess I better go back and rewatch these and see how I feel about them now, if, you know, a few years on. Uh, the Force Awakens still totally slaps. It's still an amazing movie for me. I, I dig it. But what, what I really... what I, <laughs> You're laughing at me. You're... <laughs> you're uh, I'm such an old man. I use slang wrong on purpose at this point. No, no, that's a. I think you used it correctly. But Did I? Does that work with movies that it slaps? <laughs> I don't know. I'm 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 in my thirties. I don't know. Welcome to old man cast. Uh, but yep, anyways, yeah, you missed it earlier where he called PUBG. Uh, what did you say? Uh, Pub Underground. Oh, who gives a shit? It was great. It's pub, so I played Pub Underground. Yes, yes. I I I I, uh, I mistitled the worst titled battle royale game, which is saying something because they all have bad titles. They don't have great titles. Even even Apex Legends, which as we've established previously, I I dig a whole bunch. That's a bad title. Apex Legends is a real bad title unless everyone's a lion. So in in. In terms of titles, then, so episode nine, the title is... 
So the title that is revealed at the end of the teaser that we saw is The Rise of Skywalker, which is a lot of people are doing a lot of... I've, I'm seeing two modes that the internet has with this title. Uh-huh. The first mode is like, you know, regular brain where it's like, don't don't go back on what happened in the last movie. Don't make Rey a Skywalker. Don't make her Luke's yeah. daughter. And all I can say to that that mode is... Dude, pull it back, J- yeah. You can say a lot of things about J.J. Abrams. I will argue how fair some of them are, but he's not that dumb. He's not so no. dumb that he's going to go back and walk back everything that happened in the last movie. Yeah, That's not, not going to happen. No, he's not going to do that. Star Wars has not been traditionally about... Uh, retconning stuff that close. Well, it's never had to be because the last two trilogies have been planned out from the beginning. Right. This is the first time that they didn't plan out the trilogy beforehand, and it shows, and it's frustrating people because people are like, this is a mess. So you've got, that is one side. So I'm assuming the other take on Rise of the Skywalker. Rise Rise of Skywalker? Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. The other take I'm assuming is people are are jumping to the conclusion that Skywalker will be the new term for what the Jedi slash Force users are. Yeah, that's kind of like, I mean, the other half where I was going is the other half is people trying to trying to unpuzzle the puzzle box yeah, of the title. They're trying to answer the, they're trying to solve the question before we even really have the pieces to solve and, the question. And, and that's, that's what leads me to believe that they knew we were going to be doing that. They knew that right. people were going to see that title and instantly go, you know, boo, screw you, don't make her a Skywalker. Yeah. But they also knew that there was going to be the other half of Star Wars fans who were like, that's weird. What does that mean? Because yeah. it can't mean that she is a Skywalker because surely you would not backtrack on that because no. you're not an idiot. So what does it mean? And the, yeah, that's the prevailing idea is... Look, that last movie was all about let the past die. One of the things about it is Kylo Ren, he didn't care about the Sith. No. He doesn't care about the Sith. No. And Rey doesn't quite care about the Jedi either. She has no mm-hmm. dog in whether or not the Jedi Order erases completely. Yeah. She was not there to to keep the Jedi going. Yeah, the last that you have of both... Like, the premier Sith and the premier Jedi at this point are both newbies, both conflicted, and both don't really care that much about their respective sides. And we don't know anything about his training, really, but Kylo Ren really, for the most part, from the sounds of it, he is not a Sith at all. No. And he was never trained to be. Uh -uh. So the whole idea being, if Kylo Ren is trying to remake the dark side with the Knights of Ren who must figure prominently in this last one. Yeah. They must, because they were not even so much as mentioned in the last one, which I thought was a really strange choice, but I know exactly what that was. That was basically Ryan Johnson saying, oh, that, that'll be a good thing to be in the third one, and it doesn't interest me at all, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to not even touch it. Yeah. So we've got the Knights of Ren, we've got Kylo Ren, and... That's basically where the dark side is now. And it's different from Sith, clearly. Mm-hmm. So everybody online is like, okay, if Rey takes a, takes a page out of his book and does the same thing for the Jedi, it stands to reason that she would call her new order Skywalkers. I think it's smart, and I think that it's a really fun way of being like, okay, 
you know how we've been playing with the idea of the past needs to die and all of the old stuff needs to be updated and this is our this is it this is we're changing star wars forever now from now on in the timeline from here on out if it's a good guy with a lightsaber they are likely going to be called a skywalker rather than a jedi I don't see a problem with it. Well, and also it makes uh, it, it feels correct within a universe, like as story building. That would, in universe, that would make logical sense. That eventually a term that is mostly died out because the people who were Jedi have mostly died out. Well, and it, if you uh, yeah if you bring them back and if you kind of reawaken because the Force awakens. And and as the last movie <clears throat> as the last movie showed us in the kind of epilogue moment. The takeaway from The Last Jedi is Luke Skywalker, okay, he says, I will not be The Last Jedi, but the movie's called The Last Jedi because he is the last of the old Jedi. Yeah. Whatever comes next, it will not be the way the Jedi were before. No, it'll be something new, it'll be something original. Something better. (laughs) Something better. Well, yeah, well, the Jedi, that's the whole thing, is if if the movies have taught us anything, the, the original trilogy made us think the Jedi were really cool and mythical and all that. The prequel trilogy showed us that the Jedi were actually just a bunch of people who were totally... Flawed. (laughs) Totally flawed. Yeah. You know, for all the faults that the prequel trilogy may have had, it did build the Jedi as a more believable organization. And a lot of people say, oh, the Jedi were dumb in that. It's like, well, that's because if you're an organization of people... You know, space people, whatever. Well, but, and yeah. al- and also, like, we saw 10 years worth of Jedi in yeah. the prequels, and it was them right at the point where they were ready to, to fall hard. So and with the trailer... With, the tra- with, with this teaser trailer, the rise of Skywalker, from the sounds of it, and, and also the tagline that accompanied it, I'm not sure if we've ever had a text t- tagline on one of these before, have we? I don't know. What was the tagline? The tagline was, every generation has a legend, which leads me to believe also the other possibility is that Rey takes on the name Skywalker so that everyone in the galaxy knows who she is immediately. Because as as the end of the last movie teaches us, Luke Skywalker is a legend. Right. He, and, and they even, they, uh, uh, this was brilliant. They did a book that released about the same time as The Last Jedi, and it was called The Legend of Luke Skywalker. Hmm. And it's a collection of short stories about Luke and his exploits over the course of his entire life. Mm-hmm. All the way from when he was, you know, the teenager whose nickname was Wormy, which, <laughs> which is canon, by the way. His, his teenage nickname at Tashi Station was Wormy. <laughs> so all the way from there, all the way up through the story of his death, mm-hmm. you know, fighting Kylo Ren. So, and the whole hook of the book is some of these stories are true. Some of them are just legend. Huh. So it's, it's cute and it's, but it's very much establishing this idea that, and so does the epilogue of the last Jedi, Luke Skywalker is now a folk hero. Mm -hmm. He is a mythical figure now, especially now that he's gone. He's a mythical figure who you can rally good people behind. Mm-hmm. So if Ray takes on the name Skywalker as a way to rally good people behind her blade, that works too. It's a lot clunkier, mm-hmm. but it also fits the phrasing, the rise of Skywalker better yeah. than like the rise of the Skywalkers. Mm-hmm. But that sounds weird too. Cause that also sounds like, you know, the ballad of Jed Clampett almost. <laughs> I I like that at the end of the trailer, 
Because we're who cares spoilers? The people have seen the trailer. It's a teaser spoiler. We, oh yeah, I, I was we, not under yeah. any impression that we were gonna <coughs> keep things no. from anybody. We uh, we get kind of a, a revisiting from is it from the prequel trilogy where Darth Sidious slash Palpatine is saying like talking about uh, Darth Plagueis who found ways around death or something like that. Or is it that he or is it Yoda that says someone says something to the effects of like death is not the final thing? Oh, you're thinking of uh, the the voiceover for this for this trailer is Luke. It's, oh, that's right. It's, it's Luke from the Last Jedi, and it's most of his lines from that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of his big lines, like you know, he says something along the lines of "Over a thousand generations now live in you." Yeah, that is a new line. That's not from the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. So that that leads me to believe we're getting some Luke Force Ghost in this movie. Yeah, got to get that. Which makes sense, because, I mean, Mark Hamill is, he's around, and he's game, and he's perfectly willing to show up for however long you want him. You want him for a week, you want him for three months, you want him for a year. Mark Hamill will show up for Star Wars, because he knows that he should. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, Luke Force Ghost, definitely going to happen, I think. Uh, But he says, over a thousand generations live on in you, or live in you, Mm -hmm. and then near the end it goes back to the line that he says to Leia in The Last Jedi. The last thing that he says to her is, no one is ever really gone. Yeah. So, and then we get the cackle. We get Palpatine's cackle, and everyone's like, oh! Now, did you hear about what happened at Star Wars Celebration when that happened? No. So, they they go through their whole hour-long panel, they bring out the cast, and they're talking, they're having a good time, telling stories and whatnot. And then as they're getting up to, to leave, J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy look at each other and like, we got one more thing. You guys want to see a teaser trailer? Room goes nuts, of course. And they're like, all right, fire it up, and we'll get out of your way, and we'll leave the room while you guys are watching it so nobody sees which way we leave. <laughs> and they leave, and the trailer you know, plays, and everybody goes nuts, and the, the, the Rise of Skywalker shows up, and everyone's like, huh, maybe? <laughs> maybe awesome, maybe? Yeah. We don't know. Lights come back up, and who should walk out onto stage? But it's Ian McDermott. <laughs> and he just walks up to the microphone and just says in the Palpatine voice, Roll it again. <laughs> and they turn the lights down and they roll the whole trailer again. So that was cute. That's but it good. also was their way of saying, Yeah, no, that's not that's not us being shitty with our marketing. Mm-hmm. There's some sort of there's there's a Palpatine in this. We got we got we got Palpatine people. Yeah. We got one. Hit the buzzer. We got a Palpatine. And that's exciting. And I don't know if you saw the people goofing on that where uh, someone's like, Disney Disney totally dropped the ball here. And someone had renamed it like Star Wars Episode Nine, The Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> and then a bunch of people were then making parallels between The Emperor's New Groove scenes and, and scenes from the trailer. Like sure. And- sure you would. Crunk, pull the lever. Wrong lever. Now, I'm really hoping... I'm really, really hoping that Palpatine's return is handled better than it was in the expanded universe once upon a time. Yeah. Because back in the late 80s, early 90s, there was something called uh, Dark Empire, (laughs) the comic book series done by my beloved Dark Horse, Mm -hmm. who were sitting, like, what, a mile from their headquarters? About that, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, they did this series where... The, I mean, we heard we heard the phrase "Clone Wars" once, so there's cloning. So mm-hmm. the Emperor cloned himself. Yep. 
And but they tried to make it they tried to make it interesting by being like, so he cloned himself, but get this, it's not just a clone. He used the dark side to transfer his consciousness from his dying body during his fall down the energy shaft into the clone body. So it's literally the same emperor with yeah. the same memories and everything. Just now he's 25 and now him and Luke are like on par physically. So now big lightsaber fight. Yeah. Like that all sounds great. That all sounds great in theory. Uh, the only interesting part about that story is that Luke chooses to fall to the dark side and become the emperor's student consciously saying, yeah, no, I don't want to be evil, but the only way I know, the only way I'm ever going to find out how to destroy you for good is, is by learning from you. So mm. here we go. And that's what everybody thought this new series of movies was going to be. Everybody yeah. thought, well, we're going to get evil Luke, right? Mm. Like Luke's going to be the bad guy and he's going to be the emperor in this new trilogy, right? Yeah. I'm glad that they didn't go that way. No. Even Mark Hamill thought that that was going to be a good idea. And I'm like, no, that's a bad idea. <laughs> You're a great villain. Mark Hamill's a terrific villain. Oh, yeah. Luke Skywalker would be a terrible villain. Yeah. So no, that's bad. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, th uh, I really hope they're not doing a cloned emperor. I really hope they're not doing that. Yeah. Okay. Somebody did say something online that was funny. They said, "Okay, it's confirmed. Snoke was definitely an emperor clone that didn't that that wasn't cooking long enough. <laughs> that like came out of the oven before it was fully done. It's could a be. cake that fell." <laughs> I like that. I think that's funny. I think that that's a cute idea. And even if they if they full on did that and they're like, "Yeah, Snoke was literally a, a clone of Emperor Palpatine that just didn't work." Like, the dark side, like, fucked up this clone. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, I'm like, yeah, I'm on board for that. If Look, if you're gonna if you're gonna explain Snoke now, yeah, give me a throwaway explanation like that, and I'll be like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, he was a clone of the Emperor, it didn't work out right, and he went nuts, and then, unfortunately, he's the Emperor, so he's still kind of in charge, so everybody was like, I guess his name is Snoke now, and he's in charge, and now he's not. That's the end. Yeah. If that was the case, I'd be like, that's fine. We need to get, we need to move past that stuff. Snoke, as it turns out, not a big deal. Everybody, a lot of people have a mental block about this where they're like, mm -hmm. Snoke has to mean something. Really doesn't have to. He's just another crusty old guy who likes to use young people to do his bidding. It's well, just the was, way it works. That was the point of Last Jedi was to try to say, look, we have come to assume that everything has to mean something, but what if nothing means anything? Yeah. Yeah, and that was kind of that point. It's it's a healthy dose of nihilism that Star Wars fans were not ready for. Yeah. Which is why that movie is so divisive. But anyways, right. this new movie, now that now that things have been freed up for Kylo Ren to be the full baddie, mm -hmm. it sure looks like he's going about it. The only real good image we see of him in this is him, no helmet, mm -hmm. lightsaber out, like lightsaber body slamming somebody and yeah. that's all we catch uh there is the the great slow build of the tie interceptor or uh what whichever tie uh kylo ren flies i think it's it's a really horrible like they've they've clearly run out of names for ties like it's like mm -hmm. a tie like i don't know it's it's like a tie disruptor or something like that mm -hmm. it's like man we've really run out of words that mean messing you up <laughs> But we see his... I'm pretty sure it's his personal tie flying at Rey, and she does, like, a full South by Southwest look over the shoulder and run through the desert. That is a cool scene. I immediately turn that into my background image as her doing this flying leap kick over the top of the thing as it passes by her. 
We don't see who the pilot is. Mm-hmm. But we do see their hands, and, yeah, it's Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Like, that's their big showdown, we can probably assume. Potentially, yeah. And it's on a desert planet. Is it Jakku? Or is it Tatooine? Or is it a third desert planet? Oh, boy, there's two... Too many desert planets. There's yeah, like in rewatching the Force Awakens this morning, I did get it in the back of my head where I'm like, man, you could have done anything for Jack Who. It could have been any kind of planet. Why did you have to make it desert? Like if I think honestly, all of the this is just a shoddy remake of the original movie. All of that argument, that argument would have been cut in half in terms of volume if you had just made Jack Who like a crappy like perpetually concrete rain-soaked planet. Yeah. Just make it like a slum. Make it basically what they made Han's home planet in Solo. Mm-hmm. Make it a slum, you know? And it, and everything could have been the same. And yeah. it just would have been a new a new terrain to mm-hmm. look at. Cuz that's it's the one thing that I'll say about Star Wars that Star Trek has over us forever is and these planets that are just one one biome, just mm-hmm. one 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 biodome. And I, yeah, there are too many desert planets. There are too many ice planets. There are too many full forest and jungle planets. Yep. There's never one that's all of them, like like this planet. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. It's Star Wars. That's that's part of Star Wars. It's one of the things that's kind of charmingly janky about Star Wars is that every planet's just one locale. Well, that's the been that's the the curse of any sci-fi thing is it's really hard to try to make a full planet each time someone goes to a new planet. You're just like, ah, what makes this planet special? Star Wars is coming out Christmas, but Avengers Endgame that's coming out way soon. That comes out in two weeks. Is it already two weeks? It's already two weeks. It's uh, Thursday of the week following. Wow. Yeah, so we're almost to... I mean, this movie is setting itself up pretty clearly as... This is kind of like... This is where everyone can can stop. If if anyone wants to get off this ship, the ship is, is docking here for an extended period of time. You can all get off the boat here. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the same as Star Wars. Like, this mm-hmm. is the year of look. We're bringing this giant thing to a close. Yeah, and Disney. If you've seen what Disney's lineup for movies is this year, Disney is going to have a lot of money at the end of 2019 between Avengers: Endgame, uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, The Lion King live action inspired remake. Yeah, yeah. The um, isn't the Aladdin one this year too. Is Aladdin this year? I think Aladdin's this year. I, I think it is, because The Lion King's coming out in summer, and Aladdin's coming out around the holidays. Yeah. Also, Frozen 2 comes out at the end of this year. Oh, God, I forgot about Frozen 2. So, yeah, Disney is going to have a very nice year of getting money. And that's and that's all on top of Disney+. Plus. That's on top of Disney+. Plus. It's on top of the fact that Disney is now absorbing all of Fox's stuff, so they're still going to get some spillover from the crappy Dark Phoenix movie whenever that eventually comes out. And, you know and, what? I'm a little encouraged about the Dark Phoenix movie because nobody has any expectations for it at all. Yeah, the but last... I think they all ever like even the stu- even Disney's like, "Okay, well, we're going to let this come out because it's already done, but no one really wants to see it." Yeah. I but, I feel bad about that. But anyway, but, but on Endgame, so everybody wants to see Endgame. Everyone wants to see Endgame. I've got uh, 
uh, thankfully a friend invited me because I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, well, am I going to wait till the weekend? What's going to happen? But I had a friend invite me to basically the opening show, which is when I need to see it because this is one of, it's another one of those, the Marvel movies used to be really fun. Now they're stressful because now you have a very, <laughs> the ticking clock begins. If you don't see it by opening night or opening weekend at the very latest, ticking clock happens before you're going to get everything spoiled. You know, it's really funny that I've been seeing so many things on like film Twitter about like, oh god, you, oh god, my Endgame tickets are gonna be fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here going, what are you talking about? Like, who's who's paying extra for tickets? Drive out to the suburbs and watch yeah. it with me. You know that because well, out in the suburbs they don't they don't sell out of tickets ever. And, and to be fair, we're here in Oregon, and Oregon is not California. A lot of people film film Twitter is California. That's true, and I, I have a Cal- lot of people California in my feed from New York, California, too. New York. Yeah, the the big big cities. Portland is not. Our t- movie tickets are still like eight fifty. Uh, maybe for a matinee. Maybe well, for matinees. I mean, around here. So by so for me, like I went and saw Captain Marvel second weekend at the Wonderland Milwaukee Cinema over here, which has become my favorite little movie theater. Sure, it's a crappy little movie theater, but that's kind of the charm. I can go in, and, you know, I can see a movie as big as Captain Marvel the second weekend of it showing. Uh, the theater was not empty, but it was a nice. There was maybe about a dozen, maybe twenty people at most in there with me. Uh, really chill, really laid back. Everyone's there just to see the movie, and it's nice because it fills. It's just nice little theater, you know, an easy theater to go yeah, to. Yeah, those of you who don't know, Wonderland is a uh, very small chain of uh, arcades in the Portland area. Yeah, I think there's only maybe about three of them actually. There's a, yeah, there's, there's not too like many left. Or, there's only like three or four of them, and they, they used to be famous when we were kids because instead of putting quarters in the machine, you put nickels there's in. A, yeah, nickel a game, but the thing is that that's a misnomer because, yeah, it takes a nickel, but some of them took like eight nickels yeah, to play so a game. Yeah, it's so really two quarters worth. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, but there it's it's a fun place. I actually we recently went to a birthday party at the Beaverton Wonderland, mm-hmm. which is really nice. You know, it, they're, they're they're cool places. It's very much like an arcade from your youth kind of thing. Where it's like, man, the floors here are kind of sticky. Some of the machines yeah. are very badly maintained, but it's cheap and nobody messes with you. It's yeah. it's not excessively corporate like a Chuck E. Cheese or mm-hmm. like like a Dave and Buster's. Dave yeah. and Buster's is a lot of fun for like the first 10, 15 minutes you're there. But then after a while you're standing there and you're like, man, I'm standing in an airplane hangar full of old old arcade games mm-hmm. that are being sold to me at $5 a pop. Like, yeah. this is nuts. Now, meanwhile, they're selling you booze so that you don't care about how much the arcade games are. Exactly. But Wonderland is more of like a kid's arcade where, yeah. like, you you know, they, they've modernized. They got the slider cards and all that. But they also have uh, extra stuff on the side. One thing is, I think two of the locations have second-run movie theaters. And and here, though, the Milwaukee Cinema, I think they're getting first-run theater, like movies. They're getting, like, they're obvious ones because they skew more towards kids, so they usually get... The obvious kids' movies. Uh, they had Lego Movie Part Two is there. I didn't see that one, but we saw uh, Incredibles Two with my four-year-old. We yeah. saw uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. There was his first view into that. 
so it's a good place to see a lot of the superhero movies and all that. So there, I, I mean, I'm not seeing Endgame there. I'm going to see it, and the the tickets we got, I think, were thirteen fifty each, which is still not crazy for an opening night for that, this movie. That's a typical opening night ticket, actually. Yeah, like that's not extreme, and I'm like. My friend got them, and I'm like, she's like, you want to go? I'm like, I'll go, but you have to get the tickets because I don't want to deal with this. Basically, you'll do it. I'll pay you. I'll return the favor by paying you legal tender for the, my the, portion. Does the whole, the whole, like, buying tickets online thing, like, stresses you out? Um, well, yes. Any any sort of, like, pre-sale stuff stresses me out because I've gone through enough pre-sale stuff with video games that... I don't like the hassle of it, and I don't trust it. No matter, I don't care how obvious it is, but I don't like that stuff. This was easy enough for her to do, and mostly it's that I don't like when it's a group of people. All everyone get their tickets, and it's like I don't like that. Oh, I, oh, that's that's the worst thing yeah. in the world. So the fact is, I wanted my like, I want you to get both of our tickets so that when I go with you. You'll have the ticket secured, and we'll be like near enough or whatever. That's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, so that's that was my stress there. So that stress is gone. So now I get to go opening night and just see this darn movie, and I'm excited to see it. And also, the speculation in my mind is hitting, and I had a realization that a lot of the actors who didn't get snapped in the last in in Infinity War uh-huh. are all the actors were like really though we expected those ones would be the first to jump at the chance to get out of their contracts well but here's the to thing to some degree yeah, yeah no I, I get what you're saying like all of the all of the people who survived the snap are all of the big big names that you expect like this is the this is their way out of paying them a bunch of money namely Robert Downey Jr. Chris Evans Chris Hemsworth Chris Hemsworth Chris Pratt, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, like all of the people that are making like 50 million a movie now. Well, there's a bunch of people that you think, okay, these people are going to continue on and on and on. Uh, or like, and those ones got snapped. You're like, wait, Black Panther already have a sequel plan for Black Panther. Oh, we already have a sequel plan for, for Spider-Man. Yeah. And we have these, we already had a sequel plan for Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. We already had a sequel plan for, uh, Dr. Strange. Like all these people got snapped. And my theory here is that, because everyone, there's a, the theory, the popular theory is, oh, they're gonna go back and they're gonna undo it because everyone's not actually dead. Everyone's just in this. They're in the, um, the the soul uh, soul stone, um, infinity stone. That's the theory, and so they're basically gonna fight Thanos and they're gonna go inside the soul stone. And they're gonna break him out. Essentially, it's it's gonna be a great escape, and it, they're gonna take a dirt bike over the the fence. <laughs> but um, I have a different theory is that they're going to get a chance to basically switch places and that every actor in this that is currently unsnapped is going to switch places with someone who has been snapped. So we're basically going to get the out for all of the actors. Currently we have people who seem like this would be the movie they want to get out of. You got, you got your cap. You you got Steve Rogers would be out. You've got Tony Stark out. You've got Hawkeye out. You've the, got going, Black Widow yeah, out. Yeah, going back to the whole thing from the first Avengers where, you know, would you lay down on on a on a wire in order to save somebody? I think I would just cut the wire. Mm-hmm. The, so this would be the case where Tony finally has to lay down on the wire for everybody else. Yeah. Even though he kind of does that at the end of that movie, tying up that thread. Yeah. But this is like his evolution is he's willing to do it for everybody. That's a, that's a good idea. 
Like, would you it, think? Is your theory that that happens? Like, that's the in the last act they do that. I'm feeling like that's kind of the the resolution. I mean, that's a theory. I don't feel like that would be satisfying. So I don't think that's actually going to happen. I think that there will still be a sacrifice necessary to undo everyone. They basically need to come out of of uh, because the soul stone requires a sacrifice. Yes. Yeah, so I still think we're gonna, a, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna lose the actors who are trying to get out of their contracts. Not trying, but who whose contracts are who, up. who Disney has done signing contracts with them because they're too expensive. Yeah, they've they've signed them past the point of of. Uh, logic at this point like and they keep coming back and come back coming back and coming back and and they're exhausted so they're definitely out like rob Downey jr and chris evans are out at the end of this one there's just no question about that. yeah i kind of agree with you on that and chris evans i don't know i don't know if he just did a really bad job of keeping that under wraps or if they if they kind of let the the valve loose a little bit in order to get people stirred up I don't know what it is but him him coming out and being like well it's been 10 it's been 10 years and it's been a magic playing this character it's like dude you really sound like this is the end don't don't tell us that now it's <laughs> six months from now don't do that and there's and it doesn't necessarily mean that I mean, he didn't spoil and say, oh, yeah, my character's dying. No, because he didn't in, in, at all. Yeah, in the comics, of course, Steve Rogers has given up the mantle to people all the time. And he probably will at yeah, this point. Yeah, it's very likely he'll give up the mantle to, to Bucky, which has happened in the comics. Well, but they're doing a, they're doing a Bucky and Falcon yeah, show Falcon on Disney+, Plus, aren't they? That's, yeah, that's what that was. Dis- Disney+, Plus, somebody, I, somebody else, I need to credit somebody else for saying it, but somebody on Twitter was like, so Disney+, Plus is just going to be like... Uh, ambassadorship positions for the Avengers that can't hold together their own movie. Yeah. And I, I heard that and I was like, that's a joke, but honestly, it's the smartest thing you can possibly do. Like, oh, Vision and and Scarlet Witch yeah. probably can't hold together a movie. No, of course they can't. But you know what? They could hold together a TV show, no problem. Oh, yeah. Especially a TV show on a Disney streaming service, sure. Disney's definitely going to try some interesting stuff with their streaming service. And... I, I'm still I'm excited for Endgame. I'm mostly excited to kind of to finish this arc that started with you know the Avengers and, and Phase One. This is the end of all of that, and yeah. so now I'm excited to see where they go next. I'm excited to see the setup they have to where we go after here. Because I is, am, yeah, I'm. I th- I think honestly, I, I I'm excited too because we've known. We've essentially known how this was going to end for the longest time. Yeah. And, so and now that it's finally here, it's more all right. Let's let's do the emotional bit. Let's get the yeah. catharsis out of the way, and then let's talk about what comes next. And there's a lot that they can do because Disney officially has all its toys back. Marvel has all Marvel properties. They can yeah. they can do X Men. They can do Fantastic Four. All, all they have to do is uh, you know in any Marvel movie. They can do it in Endgame, or they could wait to do it in Far From Home. They could do it in Captain Marvel 2 if they want. Anywhere down the line in the next year or two, all they have to do is have a portal open up and the Fantastic Four fall through it, and they're there. Yeah. Or, or if they're really smart, a portal opens up, the Fantastic Four fall through it, and they're like, oh, hey, another, a different Marvel universe here. Holy cow. Well, anyway, we're going to go back home where everything's exactly the same, except it isn't. And it would be interesting if, like, Endgame, part of the resolution is that they warp reality. And when they get back to Earth, you'll see some response of, oh, you know, 
mutants, basically. Mutant? That's yeah, that's yeah. A, that's an easy way to say that mutants now exist here because they haven't really established mutants in the current Marvel Cinematic Universe. No, they well because they weren't able to use the word mutant. They no, have, they have created some very able facsimiles in the movies. They exactly. were calling them gifted, or mm-hmm. they were calling them like enhanced. Metahumans, I think. No, metahuman is, oh, is that's DC. DC. That's right. That's DC's term, but. They were calling them either gifted or an enhanced people. Mm -hmm. And then in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they did the Inhumans. Right. And that basically, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came out and essentially said, so Inhumans are basically what in the comics are mutants. Mm -hmm. We're just calling them Inhumans because it's a term we own, and we really want to do this thread. We've been planning it since we started this show. Just let us do it and pretend we're saying <laughs> mutants. Yep. And it kind of works. Like we're, We just finished up the big Inhumans arc on that show, me and my wife, because we're finally getting into that show, I think, a little too late. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to watch and like, oh, we've come to the point where they're making reference to the fact that Civil War just happened, the Sokovia Accords, mm-hmm. and that stuff affects the show, which is fun. But at the same time, it does feel like that show takes place in a bubble that mm-hmm. does not exist in the rest of the MCU. It feels very modular, even compared to something like Daredevil. Yeah. Daredevil feels like it takes place more in the MCU than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of it is just... No, I mean, I know what it is. I actually really like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think it's a very good show. My only problem with it is that it has to be on ABC. Yeah, That's the main problem with that show is it's on a network. Mm-hmm. That, that show would be almost perfect for me if it were 10 to 15 episodes a season Mm -hmm. and not 25. Right. But I digress. Endgame, thing about Endgame, I like your your idea of everybody has to switch Mm -hmm. with somebody because that also goes back to something from Infinity War, which is Captain America saying we don't trade lives. If they literally have to trade lives, that'd be interesting. Yeah. And it'd be a good... you know, the coupling. the only wrench in that is that I don't think that um, Brie Larson will give up Captain Marvel so quickly. Well, they can't. They can't because that's they're gonna definitely make a sequel to that. And, well, and, and, I, and also the thing that I feel bummed about is that in the trailers, the only element of the trailers that is not working for me is Captain Marvel in it. Really, her character does not fit for me, and it's not that I. It's a weird feeling every time they're 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 forcing these little moments in and it feels like they're cramming these moments in especially the you know thor pulls his new mighty axe and wing right next to to carol danvers and carol doesn't even flinch and he's like i like this one and it's like why that doesn't feel earned and it's sure it's just in a it's in a trailer, so they're not giving a lot away. It's, it's but a real trailer moment. It's, it's a trailer moment, but I'm like, they're, and it's unfortunate that the characters that are currently in the movie, except for Carol, all of them have had multiple movies to build. And I think we've talked about this before. They've all had multiple movies to build on. Carol now is coming in, and we are just being told she's supposed to fit here. Because we saw one movie where she was there with Nick Fury, but we haven't seen her interact with anybody else, and now they're just going to say, and now she's also here. And I'm really worried that it's going to be a weird disconnect of like, well, I've spent, in some cases, a decade with these guys together. And I've seen, you know, I've seen Tony Stark and Steve Rogers and Natasha and and everyone together. They have a dynamic, they have inherent 
chemistry and backstory. So adding in a new person and putting them at such an, a level of importance is like this feels kind of weird to me. That- I get exactly what you're saying, and and I'll even give you a, a good example of what you're talking about is Justice League. I, I know unfair unfair <laughs> criticism, unfair comparison, and all of that. You know, ten years versus like three years of total like kerfluffle, mm-hmm. but at the same time, that's what it is with uh, with. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Like, she's not really... Okay, she's in Batman v Superman, but she's not a character in it. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, she's an image. She's somebody we recognize from her outfit, uh, kinda. Yeah. Like, we don't really recognize her outfit until her own movie, even. Mm -hmm. But she's she's kind of a non-fixture in that movie. She just kind of shows up, she fights the bad guy, and... The two guys look at each other and share a quip, and that's it. That's her whole character. Mm-hmm. She's not particularly good in that movie. Granted, not much is. <laughs> but, like, we see her individual movie, and it's the same thing as Captain Marvel, where it's like, okay, this is who she is. This is who she is w- interacting with these people in particular, these people around her. Mm-hmm. This is her and her specific villain. This is how she deals with individual baddies. This is the way she deals with... Uh, moral, you know, quandary. This is who she is in this one movie. And it's a good movie, and I like who she is, and I'm there. Mm-hmm. And then the next movie is, all right, now we're going to put her in the group, and we're going to see how this works. The problem is, she has no history with that group. Mm-hmm. Like, with, with Wonder Woman, the only history she has is her and Bruce Wayne beat up a giant CGI cave troll <laughs> once. Yeah. And, 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 and Superman died. That's the that's her history. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly the right comparison. And the group doesn't have a history the way the group does in the Avengers. But it's the same kind of thing where it's like, there's just, you never bothered to establish chemistry between this character and everybody else. So it's gonna feel weird. Now, mm-hmm. the interesting thing about Justice League is that Wonder Woman is one of the few characters in Justice League that feels like I actually know her and I like her. Mm-hmm. And that's because she had an entire movie before Justice League. No one else did. Not even Batman. Yeah. So everyone else in Justice League, it's like, I I don't really care for this Batman because I don't really know anything about him other than he's kind of an idiot. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is say his mother's name and he'll, like, drop his pants. Mm-hmm. Which I actually... The Martha thing doesn't bother me half as much as does everybody else. Look... I don't know how to explain this to everybody, but both of them, both of them, both of their mothers had the same name f- like 40 years ago, and nobody seemed to care until now. Well, nobody noticed, because I don't think anyone made that connection until the movie. You're like, wait a minute, that can't be true, can but, it? But that's the reason why Zack Snyder and everybody behind that thought it was so brilliant, was yeah. nobody thought of this until now. And it's like, yeah, but that's why I don't care, is... Yeah. Nobody thought of this until now because it's such a mundane thing. It's like, because that's really dumb. <laughs> all, all it really proves is that writers back then were really lazy because they assumed that the only people reading their books were kids and dimwits. <laughs> Seriously, that's what it was. Like, you know, go back, go back and look at every Stan Lee interview and everything he always said was, I was embarrassed to be writing comic books at the time because they were just for kids and dimwits. Well, it's, and I mean, even though Stan Lee gave us so much good stuff... How many of his original characters were alliterative in their naming structure? Uh, maybe every one of them. Peter Parker, the Green Goblin. I mean, Doc Ock, not technically, but rhyming. Like, either alliterative or rhyming. Um, Reed Richards. Sue Storm. 
Now, um, now that's fun. Back Bruce Banner. In, that's fun now to laugh about, and it was cute back in the '60s. Yeah. It's, you know, you know what really grinds my gears since we're just going in that direction for a minute. What Scott Summers? <laughs> Scott Summers. What really grinds my gears is Ready Player One being like, yeah, so our main character's name is Wade Watts because his dad was really into comic books and wanted him to sound like a superhero. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, that's a cheat. Yeah. Right there, that's a, that's a writing cheat that we don't do. And publishers, that's a thing that you shouldn't publish. That's a writer cheat that you shouldn't publish is, yeah, I named my character after a thing. And... and my explanation for that is the, they got named after that thing. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, this you didn't write that then. You didn't write that. Somebody else wrote that. Basically, <laughs> Ernie Klein is, is a fine guy. I don't hold any problems. I, I, Ready Player One doesn't boil my blood at mm-hmm. all. I saw the movie, and I was like, well, that was a charming diversion. It's it's a Steven Spielberg movie that's pure candy. And Steven Spielberg. S- Steven Spielberg, also, also a Stanley creation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I mean, Ready Player One is one of those things where it, it was like, you you can't prepackage things that I know about all. Like, okay, you can make references. I love references. Hell, any movie that takes place in the 80s is kind of an automatic thumbs up for a lot of people just because of the pop culture references. Mm. Bumblebee was exactly that movie. That movie didn't have to take place in the 80s, but it did. Why? Because it's a really easy way to get a lot of goodwill out of people. Mm -hmm. It's just play a lot of cheesy 80s music, dress everybody up in cheesy 80s costumes, and then talk about ALF for like two minutes. Yeah. And sure enough, it endeared me to that movie immediately, and then the rest of the movie was really good. Everybody should see Bumblebee, by the way. It's the first good Transformers movie. <laughs> Genuinely good movie, I thought. But, uh, but yeah, I've, I, know, I know I've completely gone off the rails. But I'm going to go back to Endgame by saying this. Okay. I don't think that your trading lives thing is going to happen, specifically because... The thing about Infinity War that really got under my skin while I was watching it the first time was I was doing that thing that I'm starting to always do the first time I see a movie in the theater, an anticipated movie, mm-hmm. where I'm trying to stay a step ahead of the movie the whole time, and it ruins the movie for me. Yeah. Which is why I need to go back and rewatch every movie before I write a review. <laughs> but I, I'm i watching Infinity War for the first time, and again, I'm in that theater where that serves dinner because that's the one that my wife and I go to when we do date movies I guess Mm -hmm. but we're there and the whole movie I'm like all right we're spending a lot of time with Tony Stark and Spider-Man on the spaceship with Doctor Strange we're spending a a good portion with you know what whatever's going on with Thanos and whoever happens to be in his orbit right now you know the Guardians of the Galaxy mostly uh, Thor and, and Rocket and Groot have their excellent adventure, which is, <laughs> it's the one thing of that movie that shouldn't work, and it's kind of the thing of that movie that works the best, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But great, you know, awesome, it works. It, it shouldn't, but it does. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, boy, there's not a whole lot of time being clocked in for Captain America and everybody in Wakanda. Why is why is that portion of the movie that should be the big climactic portion of the movie, why is that kind of the also-ran B-plot of this movie? And then I finally, like, by the time I saw the first Endgame teaser and realized who all was left, I was like, oh, right. Everybody who's left for Endgame is everybody who didn't feature prominently in Infinity War, 
with the exception of Tony Stark. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those movies were shot back to back. They were shot as one movie, basically. Mm-hmm. This is the way it's. This is the way it's been planned the whole time. Is the first movie is all is you know everybody in column A, and the second movie is going to be mostly everybody in column B. It's going to mm-hmm. be a movie. The first one is all about Tony and Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy. The second one is going to be all about Captain America and everybody who was on Earth during the big battle, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be largely about Earth because the first movie kind of wasn't like it was all about let's keep Earth from getting snapped, but it wasn't. It didn't. A lot of it didn't take place on Earth, mm-hmm. which they you know they they called that out. They were like, oh, we're in space. That's weird. You know, oh, we've left the planet now. None of none of us were designed for that. Mm-hmm. This will be the movie that actually takes place on Earth. And I like that they're leaning into the post-apocalyptic kind of stuff, but I'm wondering, like, how far are they going to go into that stuff? Because I'll tell you, if there's one thing from Batman v Superman and uh, Justice League that really doesn't work is the, oh, let's inject the superhero plot into the real world stuff. Mm -hmm. Namely, that opening montage of, of Justice League that's like, Superman's dead and everything sucks. Hmm. It's a weird montage that doesn't seem to fit the rest of the movie because that's clearly Zack Snyder footage uh-huh. being p- inserted into the rest of the Joss Whedon footage. Hmm. So it's like, this is a Joss Whedon movie that starts as a Zack Snyder movie with a very depressing montage, hmm. the same way that Watchmen started. And I don't want that in my Marvel movie. I don't want that peanut butter in my chocolate. <laughs> I really don't want this idea of well, the last movie ended on, like, a catastrophically horrible event that killed, like, everybody. So this movie really needs to start on, like, just a half hour of... It's just going to be children of men for a half hour, and everything <laughs> is horrible. I think they're going to jump into the, the real plot quick. They're going to assess who they've got left. They're going to explain how Ant-Man gets out of the... Uh, quantum realm the quantum realm i would love it if that ended up being the solution for how to bring everybody back like somehow the quantum realm is connected to one of the stones like the reality stone in the quantum realm yeah like somehow if you get down to a small enough size within the quantum realm reality just ceases to exist Mm because they kind of play with that in ant-man and the wasp a little bit a little bit because like i mean doesn't janet have like weird powers now because of the quantum realm she does so I think the idea that they establish in that movie is, look, in the quantum realm, things just, like, things that are and things that are not, that doesn't apply anymore because everything's just satini. Mm -hmm. This is my technical jargon for the episode. Everything's (laughs) sedang-teeny. Yeah. Everything's sedang-teeny, and so it messes with reality. Yeah. Or time. Could be either. Mm -hmm. But I figure that Ant-Man and the quantum realm are somehow the answer for how to unsnap everybody. Potentially. Um, I think, though, moving on topics here. Yes, sir. Infi- uh, Endgame is going to make a lot of money. I mean, it's already broken a lot of the pre-sale records, from my understanding. Oh, yeah. Uh, broke They're... a lot of the sites that have to sell tickets early. So it's going to do well. But my heavy claim is that Detective Pikachu, which comes out May 10th, it's like gives Avengers two weeks to stay solidly on top. 
I think Detective Pikachu is going to come in and somehow boot it off hard. So you, you're making the prediction now that Detective Pikachu will be the movie that, that knocks Avengers off the number one slot? Not just knocks it, but like, de- it's going to snap Avengers, basically. I think, because <laughs> oh, Detective okay. Pikachu, if, um, if you haven't been following along, Detective Pikachu is something that shouldn't make any sense and yet is is amazing. <laughs> I I only have a casual observance of this. I've only I saw the the first like teaser and I've seen huh. I've plenty of images. I I saw a video this morning that was like it it was kind of uh, like a sizzle reel that was showing all the different Pokemon in the the art style for the movie. Well, it's showing it's a couple in the casting call one. That's the most recent and like I okay. think part of the last trailer. I don't even that think I saw that trailer. I think I saw like some video about the trailer. Possibly because the trailer is just like it's a goofing like it's a casting call, and they're showing like the screen tests for all the Pokemon, or at least a bunch of the Pokemon that are featured. All the big big marquee characters. S- some of them. They're showing a few. They're showing your Charizard, your Pikachu, your. Your Apom, your uh, your Jigglypuff, and and Eevee, and and a couple others, a couple of big ones, like oh, and then like rapid fire. Here's a bunch of them they're showing, and they I've seen people pick apart like how many Pokemon are actually in this um, previously, and they were over fifty or sixty, and I had said they needed to get at least a hundred to start with, and I think they've actually hit that at this point in all the trailers. They've shown at least a hundred different Pokemon in some form or another. Wow! So they're actually doing what I told them to do, and I take credit <laughs> for that. But the the so the 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 short form what the hell is this thing? <laughs> um, they're, they're making. <laughs> I like how you're already feeling a little defeated. They're making a live action movie based in the Pokemon universe. It's not clear whether it's anime universe or game universe or its own universe. It doesn't really matter. I mean, it's going to be its own universe. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, it's set in in a Pokemon universe. The main character is a kid whose dad was a detective, and um, he's gone missing, presumed dead. A Pikachu shows up in this kid, I don't know, teenager, however many This guy's house, and he can talk. And the voice they're using for this Pikachu is Ryan Reynolds, and this kid is the only one who can understand him in English. Everyone else still hears the Pikachu language, because all Pokemon speak in their, in their Pokemon language. So they've got that, and the trailer shows that it is... Going, it's like if Deadpool was in a was. It's like a Deadpool, but he's a Pikachu this time, because he's definitely acting for children. Yeah, for children. And then they finally rated it in the last trailer, and it's a PG movie, which does not worry me. It, it makes me go, oh shit, this is going to make a lot of money, because that means that a lot of parents who may have been on the fence, they're going to be like, hey guys, you have a gigantic budget movie coming out. Yeah. Right after the, you know, PG-13, like, this is going to be intense. It's going to be grim dark. You're probably not going to want to take your kids to the end game because it's going to be three hours plus. Yeah. Hey, look at this. It's a Pokemon movie, live action, that's got a lot of humor that's clearly aimed at an older audience, but it's also PG. So you can go in knowing that, yeah, he's going to say hell because he says in the trailer. It, when Pikachu goes, get me the hell out of here. And even, like, I watched that with Charlie and Shreya, and, and Shreya's like, did he just say what I thought he said? I'm like, yes, he did. But that's probably the saltiest that it gets. That's probably the saltiest it gets, and I, I'm they're showing that this movie is made for everybody, and it looks, in, like, I... 
it doesn't it's not going to be like revolutionary and like oh this is truly the storytelling it, it, of our generation yeah yeah but it is doing what they needed it to do and that everyone who's been a pokemon fan since the beginning back when it came to the states in 98 and especially all the japanese players who started in 96 um everyone ever who's played Pokemon has always wondered what would they look like in the real world and now they're giving us that movie and they're giving us something that is that is really really fascinating and it's it's, it's weird and it's risky and that's what's that's what's cool about it's it. also it's also the safest thing they could have done if you're watching it you're like this is basically the wizard but done with a budget because the wizard the whole point of the wizard is kids aren't going to go to see that movie because there's a plot in it the kids are going to go see how many references to Nintendo games can they pick up because they're smart enough. Well, and, that, that oh, was also 1987, so kids went to see The Wizard just because it was hot and their parents gave them $2. Yeah, and now we've got this, and I don't really care where the dad is, and I don't care why he can understand this Pikachu. Well, I mean, that's, I that's going, the case of all of those movies yeah. now. And Anytime there's a missing parent, who cares? Yeah, I am going to go in, and I'm going to be looking for which Pokemon are they going to show me Am I going to see a Pokemon battle? Yes, I am. They've already shown. They're going to show some Pokemon battles. We've already seen a little snippet, of, like a teaser of a Gengar versus a Blastoise. We've seen the Charizard and Pikachu are going to fight. It's going to end with a Gyarados blowing them out the doors. With Boy, you, the way you phrase this now, man, I'm just thinking to myself, why haven't we seen a Where's Waldo movie at this point? Because <laughs> basically that's what you're describing is you're essentially going to go to see this this Pokemon movie just to play Where's Waldo with your favorite Pokemon, yeah. which is fine. And they're already doing that. People are pulling with the trailers. People will pull, pull out a two-minute trailer and Game Explain will be like, and here's our one-hour uh, assessment of this trailer to pull out what's out. And I've watched, you know, a 20-minute game tra- uh, game theory episode on, or I can't remember, it was a game theory or film theory. I think he's film theory this time. He's like, why? Who we figured out that this Pikachu's actually Ash's Pikachu. And that's he'd like they give all these information and like actually you look through it and like yeah these references in the background and the thing that also makes me really encouraged is that there are references in the back of like in shots for this movie that are specifically pointing to things from the anime. Uh-huh. They're like oh here's like the the Sinnoh like region league and here's the Johto region league thing and they're pulling specific references from that it makes you go. This is not just, uh, this is not a, cyn- a purely cynical, probably is some cynical, but it's not a purely cynical cash grab. Yeah. This is a carefully crafted cash grab. Yeah, well, I've, uh, and I feel the same way about this movie the way I did about Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a very, very smart thing that only a couple of, only a couple of studios are figuring out is this idea of, yeah, the, the big, the big superhero tentpole movies are getting really intense and mm-hmm. really long and really prestigious and and <laughs> pretentious in spots. Mm-hmm. If if you need a movie to take your kids to and you want it to be a movie that's largely inconsequential, yeah, it's a lot of fun for kids. It's got a lot of merchandise attached to it for your kids afterwards. Mm-hmm. But largely, it's just a it's just a a moving picture to distract everybody. And and also it doesn't cost like three hundred million dollars. It costs like maybe a hundred million dollars at the very most. Probably more like seventy five to to ninety. I don't know. I bet it's expensive to make. Oh I no, mean, but- I'm I'm sure, but not as expensive as like like Endgame. You know, like sure. Infinity War and Endgame together, the budget on that was like half a billion dollars. Sure, but it's gonna make that back and then some. That's already, but oh yeah, but. You know, mid-tier movies, 
boy, mid-tier is just the theme that I'm going on today. Because we did, off mic, we talked about mid-tier phones for the longest yeah. time. Because Chris has a mid-tier smartphone, and I went on a big rant on Twitter recently about how I, I'm getting a new phone, and I'm like, wait, I don't need a $1,000 flagship phone. <laughs> I'm going to get myself a $150 phone that does everything that I need. And I'm going to save all of that money and use it to buy movie tickets, I guess. It's So with Detective Pikachu, what has me fascinated with myself, because I realize this, I'm actually more excited for, for Detective Pikachu than I am for Endgame. Yeah, because and, you don't know what's going to happen in it. Uh, kind of. Like, like it, it could go in a lot of different directions. Well, it's a little I'm, bit more unknown. And I'm excited because with Pokemon, they have a lot to work from and to just build anything. And this is obviously not going to be the only one. They're not going to go, well, that was nice. Now let's do a different thing. They're going to go, okay, I, you can already tell. They're scrambling right now. Not scrambling. They didn't have to scramble. They're already like, how many scripts do we have for the next three movies in this franchise? Yeah, because that's the way this works is, look, if, if, if it's not a big group movie, if it's a singular movie on a singular character, they have already devised three more. Because yeah. that's the way this works. They did it with the X-Men. They did uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, and it took a dump, so they never made any others. But while they were making that one, they were like, yeah, so after this one, we're going to do a Magneto standalone. Mm -hmm. Not sure how that's going to work, but then we're going to do a Storm standalone. That's going to be a lot better. And then we're also thinking about, now get this, a Gambit movie. Yeah. And we still haven't seen the Gambit movie. Yeah. Ch Channing Tatum keeps telling me that it still exists. I don't believe him. I don't believe it anymore. I don't care. I don't care at all either, but maybe it'll happen now that Disney owns it. So that's what like, I think I'm excited for to take a Pikachu because it represents raw potential, whereas Endgame is wrapping things up. I don't know where Endgame's going to go next, and I don't particularly have an, an interest in, as much in where Marvel wants to go next because I want they need to take a break, and I think they know they're going to take a little bit of a breather. A break would be nice. I yeah. like I, I love the fact that Kathleen Kennedy announced that Star Wars was taking a break for that very that's reason. Necessary. And well, in Star Wars, I mean, it's, it's funny to say that boy, Star Wars needs a break more than Marvel does, maybe. Because Marvel does two movies a year to Star Wars is one, and they've been doing it for twice as long. Yeah. But at the same time, the difference is that Marvel, those movies do feel like a comic book. Yeah. They, they, it feels like a serialized story. Star Wars probably shouldn't feel as serialized as it does now. Mm -hmm. And that's why Detective Pikachu is going to be a success. <laughs> this podcast has become an exercise in Chris trying to keep us on task, and that's bad. And we have one last big task, though. Okay. We have to discuss our predictions for the final season of Game of Thrones. Right, which, season if, eight. if you're is, listening to this, you've probably already watched the first episode. We haven't we are, yet. We are going to try, and by this, we I mean I'm, Kyle is going to try to get this up before the premiere tomorrow on Sunday. I'll be able to. Okay, be, so we're going to try to get this up, So if you're, and we'll, we'll even mention... I'll stay, put, up, I'll stay up late tonight, I'll get up early tomorrow, it'll be up post, before the episode. Yeah, and in the description notes, we'll make note that this is where you jump to if you're trying to get to these specific categories with the addendum that Star Wars is going to be everywhere, apparently. In I'm this sorry, I'm so sorry. Kyle's excited because he likes Star Wars. I'm, Good for Kyle. I like a thing, I'm sorry. So, Game of Thrones... I like that thing, too. So Game of Thrones, um, there's six episodes. I have some pretty strong predictions of what each episode beat is going to be. I have my prediction of how the show is going to end. I have my prediction for how the Night King is going to be defeated. Wow. I have predictions on you've, most character deaths and when. You've plotted out the entire final season in your head. Okay, so first off, 
this is really interesting to me because I have literally not thought about Game of Thrones since the final episode of last season. Okay, so first off, there will be a death, a major death within the first nine to ten minutes of the first episode. Oh, hands down, that's absolutely true. Um, the easy money would be on Tormund because he's at the wall. And the wall just got wrecked by the walkers. Too easy, though. It's too easy. Too way it's too, too easy. It's too easy because we saw him there, and we would have. And everyone's going to say, "Oh, well, we, he probably dies there." No, he's not going to die because that seems too obvious for him to die there. He's going to get away, and he's going to get to a supersonic raven and send it to, uh, to, <laughs> the to Winterfell. Raven. <laughs> there, Winterfell will be sacked in episode two. The White Walkers are going to be marching in episode one. They're not going to do a bunch. They're going to ravage the end of the wall and they're well, going to march yeah, through. Yeah, keep in mind these episodes are like an hour and a half each. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. Or they're, 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 like two, they're like two hours each or something crazy They like might that. be. They're, many, they're whole movies in, unto themselves because there's only six episodes. So yeah, it's it's totally conceivable that the Walkers are marching on Winterfell. Yeah. That's that's end credits of episode one. So yeah, they're, they're going to... and So episode two is when Winterfell is going to fall. It's going to be a big battle. Winterfell is going to fall. Winterfallen. Winterfallen. Ah. Ooh, this man. Um, Jon Snow is going to be fine. Daenerys is going to get out of this one unscathed. Arya is going to die. You think Arya dies there? Arya dies there. Sansa is going to get out unscathed. Um, Varys is going to die there as well. Wow, he's gonna, okay. He's going to die at this portion. Um, Grey Worm is going to die in this portion. Okay. Uh, so we're going to lose a lot of big characters in episode two. It would stand Winterfell. a reason that Gr- that Grey Worm would die in a big battle yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, sure. Bran is going to escape because he's going to be very important to the rest of the story. Of course. Um, in episode one, though, I don't, I can't pinpoint who the main death is going to be because it's not going to be from a white. It's going to be where you least expect it. I think actually, and this is dumb money, but I'm putting my weird bet on first character to die within the first ten minutes is going to be Jorah. I don't know why. I don't know how. They're just—he seems like the weirdest choice to kill off. They're going to kill him off in episode one in the first ten minutes. I don't know because it's, he has no arc left. That's really the problem with Jorah Mormon is his arc is so over with. His arc is over with. A lot of people say, "Oh no, he's going to come into play because he's going to somehow control the Stone Men." That uh, they're done with the Stone Men. And Jorah's arc was all about he loves Daenerys and he had to get redemption from her, and he did. And now it's clear he's never going to be with her because she and John are together. I guess that's his arc now at this. point point is how do I deal with the fact that she's with this guy? He's going to die in some way that's unexpected from a force that has to do with Cersei. Jaime, however, is going to die in episode five. I'm jumping ahead here because in episode two, you've got Winterfell being sacked. Episode three, you're going to shift back down to the south and the south is going to start marching and wrecking some shit. Now, if I remember right, and I don't, the last time that we saw Jamie was when he was sacking River Run. Um, no. So the last time we saw Jamie, so the seasons uh, season seven ends with basically all major parties together in King's Landing, and That's they all right. they all make a truce and say we're going to work together, and even Cersei says we're going to work together. And as soon as she gets out of earshot and talks to Jamie, because Jamie's like, all right, I'm going to take our army north, and she's like, No, you're not. It's like, what? Like, I lied to them. Of course I lied to them. That's I don't right. care. Let them die and we'll take over after they're done. And he's like, no, we made a promise. And this is, you've seen what they've got. Like, no, I know, but seriously, has gone, gone cuckoo bananas. Sure. So Jamie is going to be marching with the army. He's going to be part of that help in episode two, but it's going to fall. Episode three is when a lot of stuff's going to go down with the whites. And they're going to resolve the whole White Walker thing in episode three. That's my prediction. What do you mean the whole thing? They're going to kill the White King, the Night King in episode three. And here's how it's going to happen. 
there's going to be a clutch moment. First off, the first thing you see in the in the early portion of how many that episodes episode, are there in the season? Six. Oh, so wow, I'm saying that's... so. I'm saying they're going to finish the White Walkers okay, by that. That point, makes so. a lot more sense when you say that there's six. That it's yeah. three. So in episode three. You're gonna st- before the opening credits when it says previous on Game of Thrones and it shows you everything you need to know so that you have context for stuff's gonna happen. They're gonna make a a point to show you, hey, Sam found all of these little uh, dragons or uh, dragon glass daggers up north. He gave a bunch of them to Bran, and you're gonna see Hodor looking at one, and then they're gonna leave it at that. Then you're gonna jump to this big epic battle as the Whites are marching further south. Um, and it's going to get messy. Jamie is going to throw a last-ditch effort assault because his forces are finally going to really hit the field. The north have all retreated, and they're going to make a last kind of stand. He's like, they can't, not a step further here. And there's going to be a few more deaths of un- inconsequential characters for the most part. Um, this is where we're going to lose Brienne, I think. She's gonna. Now, what was when was the last time we saw her? She was also there down in the south okay. at, at King's Landing. See, I'm. This is this is my problem. Whenever Game of Thrones comes back, is my brain has to do that thing of all right. I need to shift all of the things that are in the books into one bin, and all the mm-hmm. things that's in the show into another bin, and never the twain shall meet. No. Because at this point, now that the show's gone on its own direction, my brain is like. Wait a second. The last thing we know about Brienne of Tarth is that she's being hung. I'm like, no, that's the books. Yeah, that's um, that's the books, and that makes and that has no consequence here. So, um, Tormund is going to come back because he didn't die. He's going to come back to this fight. He's going to see Brienne die, and that's going to be a big bummer. She's going to die uh, protecting Jaime from being killed here. He's going to die later, but not in episode three. It's going to be a last stand. They're holding off, not a step further. We have to do it. Daenerys is going to be in full force on on Drogo flying around along with um, the second dragon that's still alive. Um, Episode three is going to yeah. be the big is damn the big damn dragon fight. So you're going to have Ice Dragon versus two live fire dragons and the other dragon that we don't really care about because it's not Drogon. He's going to get killed. <laughs> killing their ways are going to cancel out. One dragon cancel out the other. Drogon is going to end that alive. It's going to seem like we're all screwed. And there's going to be a Hodor White Walker. And he's going to be there next to the Night King. Aww. And everyone's going to say, aw. Except for me, who's like, I told you. And Bran is going to suddenly realize, wait a, wait, a, wait a moment. I have a connection to Hodor in a way that is really fucked up. And he's going to warg into a White Walking Hodor. Because Hodor is still just enough there for him to do it. And before the Night King can really go, oh shit, Hodor is going to pull out a, a dragon glass dagger right next to the Night King. He's going to gank him, and all of them are going to explode at once. Episode three. You really think that that's going to be something they take they take care of midway through the final season? Yes, because every because you think that that's going to be the important thing, but it's not. Because if you see the everything they're setting up is they're showing a an ice coming from the north and a fire coming from the south because the real problem is not the whites the problem is Cersei she's cuckoo bananas so episode 4 is when Cersei pushes her assault and she starts really wrecking stuff she's gone completely mad queen i don't know and by in episode 4 is where they're also going to deal with all of the greyjoy crap 
and you're oh, on, all of that yeah. stuff. I, I I frequently forget about all of that stuff. Yeah. Not to say that it's even bad. It's just like, boy, it feels so disconnected from the rest of the show. Yeah, they're going to go back to that. So episode four is where it's going to deal with the Greyjoys, dealing with that. Theon is going to not save his sister, but he will succeed in killing his uncle, and his sister will die too. So he'll eventually then... They've resolved that. It's resolved. I'm done with that. So what, you think that Theon will end up becoming the the head of the Greyjoy house? He'll be whatever the house decides to be. Or, he'll, he, or he just burns the house down? He basically says, basically, we're going to, we're our place is secure now. We're done. We're not, no longer Greyjoys. We, what is dead cannot die. We're just going to float around. Like, he, that he's done. His story is done. He's still going to take place, like, helping in episode five more, because that's when, like, the real charge happens to try to resolve a lot of other plots, because Cersei's really gaining steam at this point. Episode five is when you're going to get... No, I'm going to go back. I'm going to backtrack. Episode four (laughs) is when you're going to have the Hound and the Mountain cancel each other out again. They're going to have a big damn fight and cancel each other out. So you you do think that we are going to get all of the payoffs that we've been waiting on for years at this point. There are too many Chekhov's guns that are, are yet to go off, and they're showing a lot of these. And I, 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 I get you, what you're talking about, but at the same time... I haven't given you the biggest one, though. Okay, okay. Because that's going to happen in the final episode. So the final episode, I'm jumping ahead a bit. So episode five um, is when Cersei's going to kill Jamie because he won't kill her, and she finally decides to kill him. So she kills Jamie. Ultimately, mm-hmm. and le- and she's totally utterly alone. Um, that is also the episode where she kills Tyrion, so Tyrion will be dead. Um, so she's alone, and she's she's almost victorious. And then there's a final, final, final assault in episode six against the last of Daenerys's forces and the last of Cersei's forces. And in a big showy moment. Cersei, in a demon desperation, is going to knock an, a black arrow onto one of those dragon things. She's going to fire it directly at Drogon, flying at him. And Drogon is going to epic dodge, and the arrow is going to impale Daenerys right on through, and it's going to kill her super dead. Hmm. Because Tyrion mentions, and this is the big Chekhov's gun, Tyrion's like... You know, you can't fly around and battle on your dragon. All it takes is one arrow to get rid of you. So what's the most poetic way? Well, we'll kill her with one arrow, but it's going to be a big damn arrow. And she's going to die, which is going to be a bummer. Cersei is then just going to be done. She knows she's lost. She just wanted to have that satisfaction. She wanted to to, to basically kill her enemy. And she's going to be... She's basically going to retreat into isolation. She's killed everyone that she's wanted to kill. She's killed everyone um, that she... Other than Sansa. Sansa's gonna get out of this because Sansa's gonna not engage basically. And she's... Cersei's gonna seethe about that forevermore. That'll be her last fixation, but she's gonna basically gonna become a hermit in, in isolation from there because she's gone completely off the rails. But she's killed both of her brothers, and, and she, but she kills Daenerys. So it ends with Jon in the Iron Throne... He's, he's distraught that, that Daenerys is dead, but he knows that someone has to lead. And this is where he turns to Sam. And Sam's like, John, you have to do it. He's like, no, I belong in the north. It's like, no, but you're really a Targaryen. He's like, I was born 
a, a snow and I'll be a snow and the snow's belong in the north. Sam, you should lead. Like, no, I shouldn't. He's like, no. Sam is from the south. He's like, Sam, you should lead. He's like, I have no claim. He's like, I give you claim. There's no rules left. Like, basically, like, I, we've abolished all rules. Also, the Iron Throne, I think, will probably get melted in this, in, at, like, Drogon will... Like you, yeah, yeah. John, John will turn to Drogon I, and say, say Dracarys right there, and he will melt the Iron Throne to nothing. And he's like, "Sam, you have to do it." And Gilly will go, "Sam, you have to do it. Do it for little Sam." Nobody can tell, but Chris just made a face when he did his Gilly voice. Well, you can't not do the Gilly face. And that Gilly face is apparently a horse with peanut butter on its lips, like Mister Red. You have to do it, Sam, and he'll go, "All right, Gilly." And so Sam is gonna—he's <laughs> gonna be the only one who can finally, like, he'll lead. So this is gonna end. John's gonna go back to North. Sansa and John will basically co-lead the North. Bran will be the Three-Eyed Raven and just kind of fuck off to the woods. Um. Cersei is seething as the crazy witch, basically, in the... in. She becomes the old the old pond witch. She's the pond witch, yeah. yeah. She's, she's her oh, full okay. circle. She's, like, just cuckoo, wherever. Um, Theon kind of, like, has a final nod to Jon as he takes his, his fleet somewhere else into the world to search. Mm. Um, just to go. They're, they're now, they're like, we're, we live on the sea. We're, we're sailing to the Undying Lands. Kind of, yeah. We're going, <laughs> we're going wherever because we don't need to be here anymore. Uh, um, the I, only, the only people I haven't mentioned in this... The Red Woman dies at some point. I don't know when, but she's made see, it clear. She, she's she she's my money for the first ten minutes death of episode one. Potentially. Well, wait, she's but she's in Winterfell, though, isn't she? Um, No, she's left. She, she's exited because Varys said oh, that it's right. good for she you to leave. Off. And she's like, I'll return to this land only once to die. I have to die in this strange land. Both of us do. And then Varys is like, bah, 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 bah. So Daenerys is going to die as well. They're both going to die. The only person I haven't mentioned is Gendry, and I don't know when Gendry dies, but he's not going to make it to the end. He's going to die because they're going to get rid of House Baratheon. They're basically, the whole point is that they're ending every single major house line. There's no Baratheons left to take the throne. There's right. no Targaryens truly left to take the throne. It's the only way Game of Thrones ends. Yeah, there's no Starks all, left to all take of the, the throne. All of no the main Lannisters. houses are, yeah. are fallen. By, by the nature of the way that the, the naming structure works, no major house can continue as it is currently set up. All I, of these kingdoms have to go. That the, part... The Greyjoys cannot claim because there's no Greyjoys left that can, can procreate. Like, all of that, they, they're going to end everything I, that way. I, having heard all of this, I disagree with most of what you say. <laughs> that part I totally agree with, that the only way it ends is with all of the major houses being, like, completely ended mm -hmm. like that's that's the only like poetic note i feel like game of thrones has cultivated a reputation of being the show that thumbs its nose at at the resolving of a melody or the resolving of a chekhov's gun so i think yes. i think that all of the chekhov's guns that they have set up some they will gleefully execute just like and by execute I don't mean the way we expect I mm -hmm. they will have certain things that they have set up that they will discard in front of us with a smile as if to say oh you thought we were gonna nope that's gonna happen with a few there are a few that are just gonna get forgotten because there's just too many of them and and there's not enough episodes and they're not long enough it's just, it's and just by process of elimination of the hundred different plots going on 
there's going to be at least a couple that we're, we're just like, you know, Sopranos has its Russian out in the woods too. It's, it's just one of these things that we're all as fans going to have to appreciate as the undiscovered country. But I feel like a lot of the big, big ones that you're describing are the ones that they are going to like, you know, it, I'm going to make sure that my folly of this episode works in this segment too and I'm going to bring up Star Wars damn it oh dang <laughs> the thing about the thing about uh, the last jedi that simultaneously a lot of people hate and a lot of people love is that all of the things that are set up all of the Chekhov's guns from the Force Awakens most of them Ryan Johnson just kind of went nope mm-hmm. you you th- you thought her her parentage <coughs> was going to be important nope you thought Snoke was going to be important? Nope. You thought Captain Phasma was going to be important? Nope. I feel like Game of Thrones has that same kind of DNA where it's it's a show that won't allow you to feel the catharsis that you're expecting. It gives you catharsis, but it gives it to you at such a price. I feel, on one hand, I would agree with that, if not for the fact that Star Wars Episode Eight gives you the Chekhov's gun but it does the it, it does the thing where you still have to show why it didn't go off and they do that very very well so Ray's parents aren't important that is actually super important moment like where okay that's a good point where you get Re- like Kylo is like he's it, there's that beat where he's like your parents were nobody and and, and it's it, and it's the whole theme of the movie is and it's like oh yeah. damn you're right and so they're making like they're showing like Basically, he pulls the gun off of the off of the mantle, and he goes, "This gun has been empty the whole time," and we all go, "Oh!" Game of Thrones has not done that, and I would be more ready to agree with you if we were going off of a book at this point, and we're not going off. Of yeah, a okay, book. okay. Again, you've got me. That's a hundred percent true. What I, what I'm talking about is very much the DNA of a Song of Ice and Fire, mm-hmm. a game the the Game of Thrones television show especially in the last two seasons, has become far more conventional in its storytelling, especially in plot twists. Absolutely. It's far more conventional. A lot of the things that people have wanted payoffs for, I mean, people guessed Jon Snow's parentage long before... Well, that that is a book thing, too. Well, people, it was a book thing. They hinted at it, but they all pieced it together, and it was exact. When the show played it out, it's like, actually, every single thing you said about Jon Snow is 100% true, and here is just... We're just flat out going to have... We're going to have Bran do his Wikipedia search through his memory mind. Yeah. And... Oh, damn, you're right, I actually. I mean, if you're going to do a flashback in Game of Thrones, I guess that's the only way I'm going to accept it, is Ward Powers. But yeah, he's He's, he's gonna. I mean, Bran is basically gonna be used as the, the Game of Thrones wiki as as they keep going. Like, wait a minute, Bran, can you explain anything? Actually, I can. You know, Wink. I'm kind of fine with that because at least it gives him something to do that's yeah. not just like ominous looks. Mm-hmm. I the 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 big thing about the three eyed raven and the wargs and all of that stuff, it <clears throat> makes perfect sense in the books because it's woven together with a whole lot of John North of the Wall dealing with the dealing with the free mm-hmm. folk and the weird kind of culture clash of of the guy who's a warg who's an eagle and mm-hmm. all of that stuff and Bran's journey are kind of interwoven and it's all kind of naturally given to you through 
the way people feel about the situations they're in. You can't do that on TV. Mm-hmm. So it's just this weird plot that feels like nobody knows what's going on in it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help when you recast a character that we only met like for a few seconds at the end of the last season. Yeah. So that's confusing. It also... Unf- and, and I harp on this so much every time I talk about Game of Thrones, but... Another thing about Bran's plot that really stinks and it's just out of everybody's hands is that kid just gained like three feet Mm -hmm. in two years and it kind of wrecks the whole thing of you're playing a little boy who fell out a window and now can't walk. Mm -hmm. By the way, you're seven feet tall now. Yeah, that doesn't really work great when you're like Hodor's height and he's carrying you. Mm -hmm. Also, he can't carry you on his back on a contraption because you're the same height as him. Mm-hmm. So the, the whole brand plotline, I would argue, you know, and of course, armchair quarterback, Monday morning quarterback, whatever you want to call it, hindsight being 2020, you go back to 2011 of all of the plots that you could probably take out of the show, Brands is the one. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, like you said, that plot's probably going to be very important for season eight. And yeah. I, and I, 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 I agree with you on that too, actually. It is, but it's not going to be important plot-wise. Well, it's not going to feel as important as when it needs to be because they've set up too much connection between Bran and the Night King already, and to leave that at nothing is not going to be, you know, a subversion of Chekhov's gun. It's going to be just a failure of the show to resolve a thing they talked about. Unless it's like, by the way, Bran wasn't really important. No, they've set up Bran's importance too much connected directly to the Night King, and they've set up the Night King's importance way too much. Also, most of Episode 1, a lot of portion of Episode 1 is going to be dedicated to explaining... The history of the Night King. Exactly. We're going to find out a little bit more about him. Well, didn't we find out some about him already, that he was a Stark? Um, Well, I think someone mentioned... I think there's fan theories that he was a Stark. I don't know. I don't really care. I thought we had heard something about... Like, just some lip service, not even, like, a flashback or, or an explanation, but just some very, very short lip service to the fact that he was a a Stark during the era where the Starks were the kings of the North. Mm-hmm. Like, they were their own sovereign nation. And, like, I was under the impression that the connection between Bran and the Night's King is a combination of were related... But also, like he's like he's the branch of the of the Stark family where the Warg powers come from. Mm. Maybe I'm conflating fan theories with something that actually was said in five minutes of dialogue during an action scene. Who can say? Who can say? Not me. My brain. Who knows? But I'll I'll tell you one thing. The fan theory that I've read that's weird, but sounds almost like it's something they might try to pull off. Mostly because it also sounds a lot like the end of Battlestar Galactica. Spoilers for, you know, a 15-year-old show. Mm-hmm. But Battlestar Galactica ends with, all right, we finally made, like, the, the whole premise of the show is, oh, we have to find the mythical planet Earth mm-hmm. that might be the origin of our species, but we don't know because it, who knows? Mm-hmm. And the end of the show is, all right, we found Earth, and as it turns out, it it is Earth. But basically it's prehistoric earth Hmm. so they land on earth they reject technology because technology led to the cylons and the war and all that so like we're gonna land we're gonna get rid of all of our spaceships and all of our technology and we're just gonna become cave people (laughs) like those cave people over there Hmm. by the way we should start dating them (laughs) 
And then it cuts to like present day and the omnipotent character being like, <laughs> mitochondrial Eve. <laughs> and he puts down like a newspaper and it's a headline about, oh, we found our most ancient, you know, human ancestor. And it's like, oh, it's like a character from the show or something like that. I'm, I'm, I say all of that just to say the fan theory that sounds like crap, that it also sounds like something that they might try to pull off is the idea that the knight, the Knights King is Bran like along a timeline. Cause he does so much with the timeline stuff. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that theory that there's like basically, and, there. and that could tie into your idea of he wargs into a white Walker. Mm-hmm. If Bran were to warg into a white Walker, is he warging into all of them at the same time? And that's a question. And if he does, does that turn him into the Night King? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think we're going to get some more of that. Um, that's all... I mean, it's all totally possible and totally interesting stuff, but I, I'm the thing that intrigues me about your predictions is this idea that the White Walker scenario is over with midway through the season so that we can focus on people sniping at each other for well, the rest of the show. Well, that's the thing, is that if you look at it, the White Walkers have been in the background, and they're, they're trying to make this the most important thing. And that's the one big thing the Game of Thrones will undo, is if you say, this is important, they'll go, it's not. And they're going to resolve that fairly quickly. Okay. And you're going to go, oh, crap, this has been resolved already. Now I don't really need to worry about that. It's, it'd be really, really strange, though, that the entire through line of the show seems to be, hey, while you all are cutting each other's throats over table scraps and who gets to sit in the uncomfortable chair an actual threat to our entire existence not just not just our government or our land but literally the whole world is at stake mm-hmm. from this giant monster threat that is so terrifying that we should be totally dealing with now but we're not cuz we're so busy sniping at each other and being horrible to each other like that's been the through line of of a song of ice and fire and a game of thrones since the beginning to have the final season's structure be, all right, now we're all going to come together and fight the evil menace who's coming from beyond our borders, and we win, and there's still half a season left, so now we get to kill each other. Mm-hmm. That'd be incredibly nihilistic and and sadly very plausible. If, I and I don't think that the show goes full nihilism, but I think it does want to go back to, hey, what's the real actual core of this is... The throne is the core of it, and it's all going to come back to the throne. And the White Walkers are not necessarily a a red herring, but they're going to throw a wrench in the easy resolution. Because if it wasn't for the White Walkers, Daenerys, I think, could have rolled over Cersei's forces, and that would have been over in Season 7. But the fact is that they had to stall out and basically shift all of their focus north. That's the only plausible way we get to an eighth season and a final resolution. That's so. That's my predictions there. I'm I'm the, excited to see how I'm wrong. I'm excited to see how you're wrong as well. Uh, I'm, but I'm and I, the thing is, I want to be wrong on some level. And the other hand is, I don't think I'm going to be because the show writers and the showrunners have already proven that once they don't have a full book to go off of, they don't. They're not as clever. Well, even when they have a full book to go off of, and that book is a little scatterbrained and not great. Like yeah. a dance with dragons. They they like there's too many scenes and too many plot elements. So like my dad and I, like I, I gave him this this fix. So in season um seven, there's a whole plot thread that was totally wasted. In the great episode Beyond the Wall, where you know, the the, the buddies that you didn't expect would 
band together. The, all yeah, the the buddy brigade the buddy brigade goes over the wall to go get a to white. get the baseball from the dog. Yeah, yeah, and that's a great <laughs> episode full of nothing but stupid that I loved. And you know, Gendry, run to the <laughs> send a supersonic raven over down to Daenerys and send the supersonic dragon back and and let's do some dumb shit. Um, so that whole thing was dumb. And here's how you fix a lot of that because they set up some things. That they that don't make sense, especially with Bran there. They're setting up in season seven that Bran is just left the reservation. Um, that he is not quite that Bran anymore. He no longer cares for the affairs of people he because he's yeah, beyond it. And he doesn't care, but he clearly has a stake in the Stark you know, resolution in the last episode of season seven, which kind of is like that didn't really work with his character. So the fix and the way it should have been is You've got John screwed. His group is about is beyond the wall and he's screwed. Meanwhile, you have a lot more interaction with Arya, with Bran, and with Sansa at Winterfell because they're basically just walking around in circles going, oh, we've got to be back at the plot sometime. And that's when you actually deal with Bran losing his humanity, losing his, and he's starting to feel conflicted like, am I really gone? Am I really lost? He's going to be meditating at the tree, and he's going to feel something to look, and he's going to basically zoom to the north and see that John is in peril, and he's he's going to realize something's up, and he's then like, well, I can't contact magically, can't contact Daenerys, but yeah. what if I can warg into a dragon from a distance? And she's going. He then he tries his desperately to warg into Drogon. And Daenerys is going to notice that Drogon is acting weird because he's not going to be able to fully control Drogon because dragons are really damn powerful. Didn't and didn't pretty... think about warging into a dragon. I d- no, I don't. Do you do you think that happens somewhere in season? I don't think eight? he's going to warg into a dragon. No, he's they're not going to do that because the dragons are too proud and too special for that. So, but if this is how they would have fixed it, is he tries to, it fails. But Daenerys notices something's wrong, and Drogon still gets the. Oh, I see what he's trying to show me. I can communicate this to to you just enough. And she's like, "What's up, boy?" And he's like, "Ro, ro, ro, go get Fraggy." And then I thought you were gonna go for a lassie joke, and then you yeah. and then you zagged on me and went for a <laughs> exactly. Scooby. So that's when and so then the nurse is like, "I know I gotta go." So then everything plays out as it had before. They're just gonna take her through dragons up there. They're gonna basically that's how that goes. And then you have a bit more like maybe Bran isn't so far gone. Yet, so when he does have a bit more stark connection in the final episode, that's how you do that plot. They didn't do that. The fact is that they're not playing; they're not being that clever with a lot of their stuff they're setting up. They're well, just, the, the pro- they're, they're running to the goal. They're yeah, they're, they're in a dead Se- sprint. Season right now. season seven very clearly, and I think everybody everybody held that that almost universal consensus is season seven. Everyone watched it with bated breath and said, "Okay, this isn't." masterful plotting because we're very clearly racing for the goalpost. Yep. And I kind of as as much as I see the way the sausage is made now that there's no book to go off of, it's it's really really depressing to see how by the numbers this show actually is. Yeah. But I'm still watching because I'm still that invested and also the plotting is just good enough. Mhm. The plotting is just good enough, and the characters are definitely good enough to float the kind of wonky, 
mechanics of it. Mm-hmm. The the I I know that everybody's biggest problem with season seven was the timeline issues, mm-hmm. and I'm here to tell you the, the here's here's the main issue with the timeline in the Game of Thrones universe is it's all written by one man, mm-hmm. and it's all written according to what he feels like writing. Yeah. And because of that, the timing on it is just not great. Yeah. Now, the reason why it looks as sloppy as it does is afterwards we all get to pour over it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's still more armchair quarterbacking, I think. Oh, yeah. And and, and having, having been writing for the last, like, six months a similar story in as much as I'm writing a story where all the travel has to take place on horseback mm-hmm. or, because mine's a Western, uh, you know, railroads or stagecoach or, a, 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 you know, steamboat up the river. Mm-hmm. Travel happens slowly. News travels slowly. Yeah. Things happen slowly because of it. It's a major problem for me in my writing. I'm currently stuck in Chapter 11, not financially, <laughs> but I'm stuck in Chapter 11 of my book, mm-hmm. which is about halfway through my outline, and I'm going, how do I get out of here? Because I've written myself into a spot where it's a case of this person is safe in this place. This person is safe in this place. How do I get them out of there so that we can have a book? Mm-hmm. And the answer is essentially, look, something has to happen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. Something has to happen. In order for that thing to happen, I have to fudge the travel time. Mm-hmm. Travel time is a real problem when you write fantasy, westerns, pretty much anything that's not present day or sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Like, travel is a real problem because you can't get a universal answer from people as to how long it takes, like, how far you can ride in a day on a horse. Mm -hmm. Ask anybody. Ask 12 experts on horses. You'll get 12 different answers. Mm -hmm. Because the answer is essentially, well, it depends on the rider. It depends on the horse. It depends on the weather. Yeah. It depends on, I don't know, the air. (laughs) Are there arrows being fired at you? Are there guns being fired at you? Do guns exist? Mm-hmm. Is there radiation? Are there super mutants? Who knows? Lots of things could be happening. So, who knows? Travel time is a problem in Game of Thrones, not just because of the travel constraints, because, I mean, come on, there's dragons. Mm-hmm. It, it, it makes me laugh that people are latching onto that, though. Yeah, and, I mean, and, I, and I understand the frustration. And I can armchair think, especially the, the last season, that it's it. I mean, anybody who understands at least enough about television writing and movie writing, and basically anything for film. Yeah. Um, the writers, I give them, I give them too much crap. They're not dummies. They're not idiots. They're not lazy. And they, they've, al- they've also got the double-edged sword, sorry to interrupt, but they've also got the double-edged sword of, hey, look, this is based on a book series that people absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. We can't change anything from the book series. Well, now we've overtaken the book series, and now it, now anything that happens in this show, we are going to be told by the fans of the books that this doesn't fly. Yeah, and to their credit, what they're now at, they're like, you know that HBO is like, okay, you're our biggest show, but also you have a limited budget. You don't have infinite money. We'll fudge it a bit. 
But if you go, we've got past a lot it, of money, but not but infinite not infinite money. money. So they're probably at the point of like, okay, if you want to do the show right, you're going to have to spend this much time writing, this much time filming. It doesn't matter how much time they have to write; they're not going to get it perfect in the time they have because they don't have enough time to do this show oh, justice. Oh no, not at all. So it's very plausible you're going to get a bunch of scenes where they're going to film it, and then later in editing, they're going, ah, oh, crap. That doesn't make any sense, but they're like, "Do we have any? Do we have any more budget for a scene?" And someone's gonna go, "We have enough budget for Brand to say this." Yeah, like basically, and, and, when it comes down to the question of, "Look, would it be more cost cost effective to remove this little like C or D plot entirely, yeah. or go back and reshoot like one scene to take care of it?" They might opt to just remove it. Yeah, this is this is deep into how sausage is made for for film and stories, all that. Because that's really what happens. That happens in huge successful movies and TV shows all the time, it's, where well, they they get to the point they realize we don't have enough time to do this the way we wanted to, so we just got to wrap it. That's up. actually the curse of being a successful television show. Is yeah. eventually your show will get to a point where the the actual inspiration the impetus behind the show itself is completely gone mm -hmm. and it's all just meat and potatoes business mechanics of look we need to have a plot that works mm -hmm. and we need to have it done immediately yeah and that's what leads to like season nine half-assed you know coming out and hitting your marks with a relative amount of conviction and then leaving kind of seasons. Yeah, or like it even happened with Lost in the sixth and final season where a lot of people were like, well, where did this go? Why do you have so many you know, plot lines that go nowhere? It's like, well, there are literally characters in there that the showrunners, they wanted to do more with and then they hit that point of no return and they were like, we don't have time or money to make this character yeah. interesting. So they literally blew him up. And yeah. that happens. There's one There's one character who they introduced her in season five, and they try to make a big deal about her being important in season six, the beginning of season six. And then there's a scene where she sets down the bag of dynamite, little too rough, and blows up, and she's out, and that's it. And it's kind of hilarious. That's interesting. And I... I... <sighs> that, that's the curse of a good TV show, too, yeah. is... You know, when you have a when you have any TV show, you're going to have characters that don't work out, plots that don't work out. You're going to have stuff that you're going to have to abandon, particularly if it's a drama of any kind mm -hmm. or if it's genre TV of any kind where there's a serialized plot. Yeah. You're going to have stuff like that that doesn't make it, that doesn't work. And you can't as a fan, as somebody watching the show, you cannot begrudge a TV show for trying new things and failing mm -hmm. as long as they as long as they get rid of the thing that doesn't work in a fairly decent amount of time. Game of Thrones has always been pretty cool about, hey, look, this character doesn't work. We're just getting rid of it. Like, hey, all the stuff in Dorne with the Sand Snakes, from the moment it all arrived, everybody's immediate reaction online was, huh? I mean, I guess? Yeah. Like, every the stuff in Dorne in the books is really interesting, but it also is like we're I'm I'm going to introduce all of this in book four, mm -hmm. and it felt really weird because it was like George, you've got so much going on in this series. You don't need to add another, another culture entirely. Yeah. I understand that you decide you you came up with this culture and it's stuck in your head, and you're like that's too good not to use it. I got to use it. Believe me, I understand that. I'm the worst mm -hmm. when it comes to that, when it comes to my writing. Didn't work in this story. It was the wrong wrong inclusion in this story for sure. Well, and, it, and that's the thing. It's because it's the television show and you've got limited time, limited budget, limited everything, like you just said. 
of all the things that you could cut out of the books of A Song of Ice and Fire, Dorn is one mm-hmm. of those things. You could cut Dorn completely, and it really wouldn't affect the story at all. Yeah. Except for all of the hints about about uh, Leanna Stark, mm-hmm. which that stuff's laid on thick enough as it is. Yeah. To the point where everybody knew about it five years before it actually even happened. So Well, just like a popular TV show, <laughs> we've run out of time. And money. And money. Well, we were out of money a long time ago. That's true. <laughs> um, and so we'll wrap this by saying that Game of Thrones is going to be fascinating. Detective Pikachu is going to make a lot of money. That's going to be a weird movie, and I'm excited for it. I'm I'm excited for all of these things that we're talking about. This yeah. is a real excited episode we because we're excited. looking forward. There's a lot of things to wrap up and, and be psyched for. So in the meantime, though, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at the Chris Pranger on Twitter. Kyle, you're I'm at, at Kyle Martinak. And which, our show is at Media Dash Sandwich. Uh, on Twitter, Medi- we are Media Underscore Sandwich. Media Underscore Sandwich. But and, the URL for the blog where you can find the show along with our other show drat dad's review a thing where we just review stuff mm-hmm. along with our blog posts uh i have one that i haven't really done in a while and i'm not sure if i'm bringing it back yet which is crossing the streams which i'm watching streaming television and exercising and i'm exercising while playing video games and writing the backlog so that might continue i have some more breath of the wild ones there that it will come out um, slowly but surely. On top of all of that, um, do we do we have anything else? Do we got anything else going? No, I think that's it. Let's go get a sandwich. Yeah, let's get a sandwich. Yes. Let's keep talking about Star Wars. No. And I remember why. Here's why. It's the <laughs> dumbest reason in the face of the world why I know anything. <laughs> Which is the weirdest <laughs> sentence I've ever said. Um, the reason why I know that some of the Virgin Islands are United States Commonwealths is because of the movie Weekend at Bernie's 2. <laughs> 2. Because the second one is when they go to, to uh, St. Thomas, I think. Wow. And the whole, like, the whole reason why they specify that it's St. Thomas is... Wait a second, they're going to check our suitcase through customs since the suitcase has the dead body in it. Because we had to take a dead body on this vacation the second time. <laughs> the first time I get, because he dies there. Like, he dies on vacation. Yeah. The second time, it's like, you're taking a dead body with you on vacation. But anyway, they stuff, they stuff that poor little guy in a suitcase. And they're like, oh shit, customs is going to check the suitcase. And uh, Anthony McCarthy's like, oh, no, 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 Rich. They won't because it's America. There is no customs. Aha. <laughs> and I'm like, that one line is the whole reason why they go to the Virgin Islands in this movie. <laughs>